Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So, just want to acknowledge that we're all here. And, uh, you know, we, we probably could have all meditated on our own for an hour and a half in our own space, a lot less crowded. <laughs> but just acknowledging why we've all come together, that we're here together. And that just getting the feel for the, the love in the room, like this, um, this unseen bond that comes from looking in, looking inward. How many of us believe, and this is not a political thing at all, just how many, how many of us believe in just equal equality? How many of us believe in just equality, like gender equality, racial, religious equality? Like everyone nodding their head, like just equality, sexual preference for all beings. Right, all human beings. How many of us believe in uh, animal rights? Like animals should be treated with kindness, love, care. They are absolute gurus, right? Total enlightened <laughs> beings. Our absolute teachers, right? So we can, like, agree. So. <coughs> So we all have this, yeah? Mm -hmm. And then how many of us believe in just caring for one another as our community of people, yeah? Thank you, Bonnie. There's room in the back. that we can love each other even without knowing each other, right? We, in the meta practice, may all beings be happy and at peace, yeah? So we believe in this. And so we're here almost as like a promise to each other that we could be there for one another. So another promise we want to make to ourselves that this doesn't just stay as an intention or as a phrase in, in loving kindness, may all beings be happy, but that we promise to actually help each other. As a community, we're, we're representing our community here, that we're here to really help each other, right? In this room, help each other, help our community. So we have a, um, a box outside as donations for the homeless. So we can give just in this simple way, right? And we have a Sangha care program here. Margaret right now, wanna raise your hand, Margaret? So she's helping out with that. And that is simply just asking for assistance if you need some help, if you're not feeling well, if you're going through a tough time, you could reach out to us. 
to each other and say, hey, I need some help. Right? <clears throat> I need some help remembering who and what I am. I need some help remembering what I stand for. We all need help remembering <laughs> like our highest version of ourselves, the things that we already know. We need help remembering that. And every time we look at a Sangha member, we remember that, right? It's, it's sati, you know, to remember. To remember is mindfulness. Mindfulness is remembering who and what we really are, what we stand for. And this is what we stand for, that universal love for all beings. So we're going to be talking today, that was just a tangent, totally off subject, but uh, we're going to be talking today about um, breaking the suffering habit, breaking the suffering habit. And this, this suffering is entirely a habit, in fact, this this life is a habit of suffering. So I put in the newsletter, um, if we ask the question, what is the meaning of life? But as a Buddhist, this is really the, the wrong question. The Buddhist will say, what is life? What is life? So before I begin, I'm going to read a couple quotes, kind of to set the foundation for this. One reason we want to look into this deeply, um, which is really this wisdom practice that we were going that we're going to be talking about today. The great Indian Mahasiddha Atisha once said, he said that idiots. Idiots will do bad things, bad actions, have bad ac- do bad actions, and go to hell. Because hell is not a place, right? Just like a state of being, yeah? Hell is heaven and hell right here. So an idiot will do bad things and go to hell realm. And an idiot will do good things and go to a heaven realm. Heaven realm. Still an idiot, though. <laughs> <laughs> Only a wise person will transcend both and go to nirvana. Yeah? So we want to cut through this ignorance. Cut through the ignorance of this, I mean, he put it in certain terms, of being an idiot, <laughs> to how things really are. If we cut through this, if we cut through this, then we could transcend both and be in nirvana right here, right now. Right? This is from Anam Tukhtan. The truth is that security is unattainable because it is the very fabric of reality. Reality is all-pervading. We can never fall out of it. We, will all, we are already secure and we are always secure. Searching for security is our biggest neurosis. It keeps us deluded. 
All modes of striving for security are forms of fear and obsession, and our heart cannot be open as long as we are ruled by them. Compassion and love can only arise from an open heart. Right? All modes of striving for security are form, uh, forms. I'm sorry. Are forms of fear and obsession, and our heart cannot be open as long as we're ruled by them. Compassion and love can only arise from an open heart. So this is a blending of wisdom and compassion. Because of the ignorance. So ignorance leads to hope and fear. So this ignorance itself, because we're ignorant, we have hope and fear, attachment and aversion. This hope turned into desire and greed. We all know what happens with fear. Hate, division, separation. But it all stems from the ignorance because we're not seeing things as they truly are. So if we see things as they truly are, then love can arise easily. Right? So it's just a shift of, from ignorance to non-ignorance. So right now we see, but we don't really see. We just see like half-truth. We don't see full truth. But if we could see very clearly, then liberation is there for us. Right? So this is another one. Um, this is from, I didn't write his name down, a Zen master. I'm forgetting his name. The definition of enlightenment from the vantage point of Zen is to realize and remain consciously aware of the impermanent, interdependent, and egoless nature of all conditioned things. <coughs> this is th these are the factors of ignorance. So because of ignorance, hope and fear. And so those are the two actions that Atisha was talking about. Because of hope, desire, we do good things and go to you know heaven or realm, but still it's out of this intention of getting something, right? Which we don't need to get anything. We already are what we're seeking. There's no, there's no seeking of security when we're already secure. Yeah? And then out of the action of fear, do bad things, right? But we're still caught in the cycle, right? So this... Releasing of ignorance, it's really a releasing. It can happen if we remember these things. We see clearly these things. Of impermanence, of emptiness, and interdependence. So I will inadequately talk about those things. <laughs> these things are... Um, so clear and so simple and so frustrating at the same time, right? Because they're so blatantly clear and yet so difficult to see, yeah? 
So the first thing, this, um, this, this emptiness aspect, is that we, we take a collection of parts, and we'll just go to the, this one first because it's kind of a more difficult piece. But we take a collection of parts, that collection of parts serves a function, and we label that function. And we, that label that we, la that we label that function is what we call a thing. And then that thing, that's how everything exists. And I'll break that down. So traditionally speaking, Buddha talked about a chariot. Now we have, like, cars. But. So he said, you know, where is the chariot and the chariot? Is it in the wheel? Is it in the steering mechanism? Like, where is it for real? Right? So we say, where is the car in the car? You see that a car is a collection of parts. We don't see the collection of parts. We see it as a whole, right? You don't see it like, like that. So this is another thing. Like when we look at our hand, we don't see the, the bone and the flesh, all those things. We say hand, right? We don't see it all, even though we know it's there. So a car function, has a function. Anything that functions like that, we call it a car. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So that, very, that label, so we label a collection of parts. We label a collection of parts. And we label that functionality, that actual functionality piece. Now, the thing, so, so car is a thing, yeah? But it's nothing. Because it's no thing. The thingness isn't there. We see? It's, there's no thing in there. Because where's the car in the car, yeah? I know, it gets a little... Whatever. <laughs> this is really important. Because this is what we're attached to. This is our grasping. We're attached to the label. So you take a car. When a car stops, func stops functioning like a car, we get upset because the car's job is to take us from A to B, yeah? So when you walk outside and the car doesn't turn on, you're like, what's up? <laughs> like, you're a car. This is your job. Because I have labeled you car, which means take me from A to B. So all conditioned, this is how everything is, a collection of labels. So every, when we look out here, we see a collection of labels. Yeah? And so we do this with people, boyfriend, girlfriend. Has your boyfriend or girlfriend ever been broken? Or husband and wife? Because like, they have a function, right? And if the boyfriend quality is broken, you're saying, you know what? I have labeled you boyfriend, and you're, you're, you're broken. You're not working. Because boyfriend is supposed to give me flowers, talk nice to me, do all these things. But you're not. You're not. Your boyfriendness is broken. Your girlfriendness is broken. Right? But this is a collection of thoughts, emotions, body sensations, memories, right? 
And that very label of boyfriend or girlfriend is totally, completely just yours. Inherently, themselves, they are not that. Because to somebody else, they are a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister, a friend. You see? They're not one permanent fixed thing. That's yours. You've labeled that onto them. And this is all we're trying to do is that the things that are that we grasp to as solid, we're just trying to say, okay, they're just a little bit more in flux, right? They're not as solid as we think, so therefore our grasping mind can release a little bit. A lot bit. It actually can release all the way into freedom. Because this is our suffering, is grasping mind, attachment. So this, this is the, you know, the second noble truth. There's a cause to this suffering. It's grasping mind. Yeah? And so what are we grasping at? Our projection. Again. And that's ignorance. Our projection is ignorance. We're ignorant to think that something is just what we labeled it. Right? And so the second piece which goes along with this is this interdependentness. This is another thing how this attachment arises, how this label is formed, is this, as this aspect of interdependentness, right? And it's how we construct this thingness, how we construct it. And how we construct it is that everything is the simplest way. So we can see this very easily with taking numbers, like the number three. Does the number three exist without two and four? No. So because of two and four, three exists. But it doesn't exist in and of itself. Right? It's dependent arising. It depends on something else to arise. And so our labels depend on what to arise? Our own imputation. Our own imputation. Right? So everything depends on, in other words, um, we're all looking at this bowl differently. We're all looking at this bowl differently. Right? Because it needs, it needs you, it needs myself, it needs, it needs your label. It needs your label. It needs my label. Yeah? So it's dependent arising. There's a collection of parts that are arising dependent upon other things. Not, not necessarily existing from its own side, yeah? Does, it, does that make sense? A little sense? A little? Okay, so we need... If you, if you look out in the ocean, you see a, a small boat. You only say a small boat because what? There's a bigger boat behind it. Right? And again, so we're just working with is this solid or not? Is this super solid? Like, or can I be free from this attachment? Right? This is all we're looking at. So, yes, it's 
totally true. Like, that's a relative speaking, that's a big boat or a small boat. No problem with that. The problem is that when we start believing this is in an ultimate way where we become attached and start to suffer. Yeah? This is where it becomes problematic. So, if we're dreaming and we're getting chased by a wild animal, right? Getting chased by a wild animal in our dream. And then we wake up from the dream. And we're free automatically. So we don't think that we actually outran the animal. We, we wake up and say, well, I was dreaming. <laughs> there was no wild animal. It was just my mind. It's like that. So there really is no suffering. Because there's no thing that we're suffering from. Yeah? There's that thing that we're suffering from. How about the thing of separation, the idea of se separation? The idea, uh, like Anam Tukton was saying, that I'm not secure already. That's a belief. We can never not be secure. We can never not be loved. It's a belief of separation. So that very thing, let's say in the dream, you're, in the dream you're chased by a wild animal, and you run, and you're trying to hide, all these things. This is, that's samsara. That's, that's how it is. We're running from something, an invisible thing. That whole thing. That whole thing. Running, suffering. And even waking up, there's no, that's false too. There's no nirvana. Like we're waking up, from something that's not <laughs> not really there. Like we're already fine. People say we have to transcend the ego. There's no <laughs> no ego. It's like getting saying I gotta get out of a ditch, but you're not in a ditch. <laughs> I gotta get out of this ditch. Yeah. But when we really look thoughts, emotions, and body sensations, this is the like the Zen definition. The egolessness of all things, we, we, reminding ourselves the egolessness of all things. You know, thoughts, emotions, and body sensations are just these temporary things flashing in awareness, right? And so, what is this reality is awareness. So, where, where do we find our solid ground? Love is completely solid, right? <coughs> so, when we talk about this, sometimes people feel like a little ungrounded, right? So it's really important to note where's our ground. We try to find ground in impermanence, which is the last piece. We try to find ground and solid ground in that which is impermanent. Right? So all conditioned things are impermanent, no matter what we attach ourselves to. They're all impermanent. <coughs> and now, even though we know this, we don't know this. We don't carry this knowing with us. Maybe 1%. Maybe 1% we carry with us. So when we see our friend, we know our friend is impermanent. We know, we know all meetings end with separation. We know this. But we don't really want to know it. So we don't know it. We kind of hide it. Yeah. 
We don't know it like we know the sun's going to rise in the morning. We don't know it like that. You know how you carry that with you, yeah? The knowing. So we're trying to hold on and find ground in things that are impermanent instead of just noting all of that crap that I think that I really want is impermanent instead of just being real with that and hanging out with the reality of that and then saying, well, what's permanent? Well, look at my awareness is permanent. Check in. Where's awareness? It's waiting. Check in. Is your awareness there? Always hanging out waiting for you. That which... So this is like the knower. That which it knows, impermanent. That which it knows is falling away all the time. Thoughts, emotions, and body sensations, external phenomena, all those things that it knows falling away all the time. The knower, steady as could be. Emptiness is the firmest ground you will ever stand on. Yeah? Just like that. And naturally arising within that space of non-attachment, loving kindness, Mm -hmm. compassion, forgiveness, always there. Always there. Let go of your attachments for a moment. Love is right there. Mm -hmm. You want solid ground? Love is solid ground. And I'm not talking about attachment love. I'm talking about your boyfriend or girlfriend, husband or wife gives you a call and they're in Mexico and they say, honey, I met somebody else and I'm happy. And you say, I'm happy too. I'm happy for you. I'm talking about that kind of love. Love, love. Not what can you do for me, love. That's not love. As soon as we ask somebody what could they do for me if we think a relationship is what we get out of it, that's not love. So solid ground is this unconditioned love energy. Just, it's just love for love's sake. This is solid. Unattachment. Because there's nobody to get hurt, right? We break down. Of course, we could do this with ourselves, right? We could turn this in. We've been talking about phenomena, but our own selves... We're this love, loving, compassionate awareness. Ignorance. Comes out of ignorance, hope and fear. What is ignorance? This forgetfulness of impermanence, interdependence, and merely labeled existence. So real life example. Check on time. So this is every single mundane little suffering. Breaking the suffering habit. Suffering's a habit because we forget. So I'm going to work. And I park in a parking garage. So when I pull in, the parking garage is... There's a, there's a south entrance and a north entrance. The north entrance, where I usually go, is shut down. Because they're doing maintenance. Right? So what is this an idea of? What is <laughs> what's, this, what's this a reminder of? Impermanence. So 
and this, you know, the gate at the parking garage, you know, start, it, it functions, but it's not functioning now, yeah? So the label of what the function is, which is interdependent upon a lot, lots of different parts, yeah? Now it's not functioning anymore, as I labeled it, yeah? So they reroute us to the south entrance. So I go there. So the next day, I go back to, because of my habit, I go back to the north entrance, but it's still broken down. Ah, still broken down. I go to the south entrance. The third day, I wise up. I go to the south entrance. Yeah? South entrance is closed. Because I already wanted something to be permanent. I wanted it to be permanent. I wanted to get back into a routine of a habit of suffering. Because as soon as I am in routine, which I mean, mean, a routine means you're projecting. If you think you have a routine, you're projecting. Right? Because it's unreliable. Routine thinks that something's reliable. And all of this is realizing that all conditioned experience is unreliable. This is what its ignorance is saying, is trying to tell you. Everything that you want to be reliable is unreliable. So, my response was to go to something that I wanted to be reliable, and again, it, impermanence told me, again, unreliable. Right? And then, the next day, because it was a new system, there was a parking attendant there. So, I labeled him parking attendant. He had a specific job to do. <laughs> specific job to do. So I come, and his job was to tell people how the new system works, right? And he's just sitting there, and that's all he does all day. Is he, if you, you put your little card up to the wrong part, he says, red button, red button, red button, and you go to the red button, ding, and you get in, because it's a new system. Yeah, that's it. So I show up, a whole bunch of cars waiting. Somebody can't figure it out. And I'm thinking, where is the parking attendant? <laughs> He's not doing his job. Yeah, I'm suffering. I'm suffering because my habit. I'm supposed to just go right in. Right? And everything that I've labeled is supposed to work as I've labeled them. Everything. So finally, this parking attendant finally I don't know he was on his cell phone or something like he wasn't paying attention because of interdependence you see because he was maybe a husband a this and that he was a bunch of other things other than my label right he wasn't just my label he was a human being he had his own thoughts had his own emotions he didn't in a single way like in, a to, in a total in a total way, his full existence wasn't parking attendant. There was so much more going on. And even his parking attendantness was impermanent. <laughs> even that was in flux. Because we know that, you know, um, if you're an athlete, you could be an unathlete with one injury. Athlete, no athlete. You see, the label could just go away. Husband, you know, divorce, that's it, gone. See that label? Gone. So even that label, he leaves that job the next day. Or in that moment, 
his job left him because <laughs> he wasn't paying attention. He forgot he was parking attendant. <laughs> he forgot. <laughs> of his own label that his boss gave him and I gave him. He forgot. So then I had, I started, I thought, oh, that's your only job, man. You're just sitting right there. That's all you need to do. And you messed that up. I heard myself suffering. Yeah? Like you can't do that one thing you're, you're looking right at. And so I noticed all the factors of my suffering. Now, if I had remembered all of those things which I know but have a hard time remembering, then when all those things happened, it would have been, of course, of course it's broken down. It's impermanent. Of course he didn't function like that. It's unreliable for me to think that. Right? Of course. So this is our mantra, is of course. Like, of course, this is how things are. These are how things are. Things are impermanent. And when we're good with that, oh my gosh, life is so good. Right? Just no problem. There's no problem. Right? Because there's no fear anymore. When we hang out with truth, there's no, there's no fear. Like, death is one of our biggest ones, yeah? But if this is a truth, and it's, if we're okay with it, then we're okay with it. It's truth. Yeah? Like the wrinkle, or whatever. So, maybe let's do... A little meditation, but what I want to bring us back to is this love and compassion. That this wisdom and this being okay is not carelessness. We're not being okay with things and then being and, and not caring. Right? Because then we can get to like injustices in the world. Uh, or people ailing, or people dying, and we don't say, oh, this is just how things are, I'm okay with it. Yeah? We have compassionate non-attachment. The attachment is what we're talking about here. The attachment to it. But, out of that non-attachment comes service, and compassion, and love. So if we think, oh, I'm fine, I just... Um, I'm not attached. Or if you ever hear yourself, if you ever hear yourself saying, "I don't care," I don't care. This is not it. That's a conceptual understanding. We're not talking about a conceptual understanding. We're talking about being so fearless that you could risk your life, and you will risk your life for somebody else. And this is a spontaneously arising something. When we, when we move into actual experience of, of impermanence and experience of dependent arising, what we realize is that if I'm not me, I'm you. Right? The selflessness becomes oneness. And we feel a, 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 a sincere connection with all beings. 
And this is where we're headed. We're headed, and we want to know if we're on the right track. It's about love and compassion through non-grasping. Right? This is really important to know. It's not nihilism. Right? It's compassionism. <laughs> yeah. In action. In action. Like we talked about in the beginning. It's not just like, oh, I'm in this space of loving kindness. It's in action. Yeah. So let's just take just a few minutes, just a few minutes, um, and let's bring this. Let's bring this into your own life. So maybe think of your parking attendant. Um, maybe situations in your life that seem very firm, very permanent. <clears throat> and our way out of this is contemplation. Contemplation and meditation. Loving kindness meditation. Maybe contemplate. Is there something that I'm holding on to that I think is fixed, permanent? is whole. I think something is my label that I gave it.
I'm going to read a quote and just keeping your eyes closed, allowing these words just to land however they want to land. When I label people, I no longer have to deal with them thoughtfully. I no longer have to feel overwhelmed by their complexity, the lives they live, the dreams they have. I know exactly where they are inside or forever outside my field of care because they've been taken care of. The mystery of their existence has been solved and filed away before I've had a chance to be moved by them or even begun to catch a glimpse of who they might be. They've been neutralized. There's hardly any action quite so undemanding, so utterly unimaginative as the affixing of a label. It's the costliest of mental shortcuts. David Dark. share maybe what came up for them. Could be thoughts about the talk or what came up for you in the meditation. Sure. Um, what came up for me uh, was uh, you talked a lot about you know the car, the parking attendant, um, and these labels are uh, things that are outside of me, but I think what's really harder to deal is deal with for me um, is the labels I put on myself like I am reliably a great daughter you know and so when the parking attendant isn't the parking attendant that I expect I go oh I'm I'm labeling the parking attendant and obviously that's my imputation and uh, that label is limited and impermanent but it's like really hard to let go of my labels for myself um, and so sometimes the outside labels are like the, the practice round, a little mm -hmm. easier to sort of noodle on and work with and so that when I get to the harder stuff, um, I've had some sort of practice. Yeah, perfect. Why we didn't start there today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, thank you. And again, just like this, this gives rise for a bit of spaciousness so we could drop in loving kindness like, for ourselves and, and others. Yeah, but. I got really mad at somebody last week because they were supposed to be different. Mm -hmm. 
and I uh, railed about this injustice to myself, <laughs> to a couple of people. And then something in me remembered, remembered something more different, like maybe I heard him. Mm. So I found some grace and made an apology. And then went back into he didn't thank me for the apology. <laughs> <laughs> Still working. <laughs> me too. Last, last night I had um, exercise in that. Um, I went to meditate in my bedroom and right at that time there was some car outside with this, you know, um, really booming sound. And that's always been my, that used to be, belaboring, that used to be uh, one of the things that would really um, get me, uh, you know, grinding. Oh, you know, whatever, how rude, and don't they know how late it is? And I would go actually outside and confront them, which, where, where I come from, that's normal. I mean, everyone does it, but here in the United States, it's like, Wow, you know, like it's one time I actually scared someone. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. Um, but I've also learned that it's not really safe sometimes to do that. And you know what? I, I try to like, okay, that's you know, it's your head. Don't you know? Don't be so attached to it and. That was the one thing I just couldn't get past. Like I just wouldn't like no, this is so wrong. So last night, and I, I haven't had that experience in a long time, which I really appreciated. But then last night it happened again, and I'm like, oh god, not now. <laughs> and um, but I had a lot of more practice doing that particular, you know, re rewiring how I label things in my head and. I started relabeling and, and I said, well, it's not really real, it's really my reaction to it. It's just what I'm really upset is my reaction, my, my aversion and how I feel about it. Because look, my husband's there working, he doesn't care. <laughs> so why do I care so much, you know? And um, so I changed how I spoke to myself. Because before I would speak to myself in a suffering mode, you know? Mm. And, um, this time it wasn't the suffering, it was more um, compassion towards myself. Really had nothing to do with the person there. Could have been, you know, my future best friend who was. <laughs> and, um, and then as I was changing my self-talk, I, um, you know, I, I felt better and actually felt my meditation deepened. And I did not forget about it, I did not completely detach, but I was in a much better place. Mm -hmm. Like I actually made like one or two steps in it. The opposite direction from Wonderful. what I did my whole life before. Oh. <laughs> Small little, little Small thing. <laughs> Change the habit of a, yeah. a lifetime habit. Yeah, changing the wheel. The habit of suffering, yeah. yeah. Thank you. I just want to thank you. That was, I think, one of the more profound teachings I've ever heard in oh. 30 minutes. things about the city for me was uh, recognizing my own illusion. Mm -hmm. 
told myself they weren't true. And just, uh, I almost stopped this when I first started because how painful it was to search those thoughts. Mm -hmm. And just uh, so many different, so much. <clears throat> Teaching last week, that was uh, back to the four of the truths in the first one. And teacher who, I, who you know, Scott, right? Scott, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, he's truly enlightened, but you know, he, he said, you know, he said it would have been cruel to stop at the first, at the first two, without the third. Mm -hmm. I think you really expounded on the, mm -hmm. on the third today, and just a path out, you know, the path out. But for me, just there's so much truth in that first. It's not my fault. Mm -hmm. That we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. It is the nature of the way we are created by body that leads to this. It's not sin. It's not anything other than just mm -hmm. existence and how we are. Mm -hmm. And that has been so free. Mm -hmm. It is uh, such a. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so freeing. Yeah. They're just decades, literally, you know, mm -hmm. decades, literally, of delusion and hatred and just blame that came from all the time from my head. Yeah. And, you know, just, I just feel like so much of that food that I've in the last, I mean, taken years. <laughs> and I will still take more because I, you know, that's, that's my first thank you and honor what you said. Mm -hmm. Just, just, yeah, profoundly. But then it's so funny because I was sitting in the second meditation. At first, I was basking in this warm glow, and that really is just love when you get down to it. Mm -hmm. And yet, then I start thinking my kids, then I start thinking my wife, yeah. <laughs> and I can just feel, you know, well, that's not, you know, you can just, you know, so it's easy to think about a car. It's easy to think about these things. <laughs> you know, I start thinking about politics where I work, and, you know, and, the, and the, you know, and so. I have hope. Not in a... Not in a... I know what you mean. So, so <laughs> I have hope that my wisdom will continue to grow. Yes. And that the things... And that I will continue to be able to see through things. Mm -hmm. And peace and rest in... Rest in that. Always. such a beautiful reminder of why we're hanging out together you know like mark said about how difficult it is to sit in our own muck to sit in our own projections and they're very very real they're very real and and being able to sit with them long enough for them to unravel themselves to be held long enough so we can shine the light of our own awareness on long enough it takes this it takes everyone together to hold all of their stuff together long enough for that test to unravel, yeah? And that's what we, we do for one another. Um, yeah. Oh, let me just check the time. I want to be aware. I respect everyone's time, so we have like five more minutes. Um, any, many, many, <laughs> three at once. I'm going to go to Dawn. I think she was first. I'll speak quickly. So, one thing that came up for me that was it's a little challenging, so I'm just curious to hear how you'll respond to this. But so you have a very, um, you know, a dear relationship, and 
um, very close relationship, very loving, and then, you know, the dynamic, maybe it changes due to circumstances you're not seeing the person as much. So there's a freeing in recognizing, well, the love is still there, but because of, you know, conditions and circumstances, the time spent together is, is less. But there's still that, so it's sort of that, you know, reconciling between, well, but I would still want to express the need, the, 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 my truth, which is, um, you know, could we make space to, could you consider, you know, seeing each other this amount? Or, so it's like, how do you reconcile, well, okay, this did change, this changed. The love's still there, not being attached to necessarily how much time, but also still wanting to ask for what you really deeply need. And I guess I'm thinking, I just think of part of the answer. <laughs> so the answer is, it's, I think it's intimate to be able to share what you really feel you need, and at the same time, not be attached to outcome. Yeah, just like that. I remember Byron Katie talking about how she had this favorite dessert chocolate thing, and she went into the refrigerator and it was gone. And she's like, to her husband, she's like, did you eat that? They're like, waiting all day to eat Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, well, it's kind of my favorite thing, and I got it, you know, I mean... And she said, can you please not eat that? <laughs> like, in the next time, if I get it? Um, and, you know, I, I consider her, her fully, fully, I mean, yeah. ultimately enlightened. Yet, and again, you just said it perfectly. It's the, it's the attachment to it. It's not the asking, because then there's just no life, right? Passionate, passionate, passionate life. Without passion, there's no life. And it comes from compassion. This is our passion compassion for all for all beings and this is why we move and this is why we do and this is why we speak and work and for, for compassion for ourselves and others this could be our ruling motivation yet interdependence so we don't know the outcome not attachment totally free in our love our love just to love just this just that and, and love for self so she's saying hey I like that love for self I want myself to be happy. I want to eat the dessert. Can you please not do that? Yeah. Um, only a couple more minutes, so I'm going to go to Bonnie and then Rick if you can. Well, mine is probably pretty complex. Um, I can apply this beautifully, this teaching, no problem, except when it comes to death. And I just had a friend die yeah. last night. Sorry to hear. And, um, and I just, this is, such a beautiful person and, yeah. and I understand my pain comes from my attachment to him um, and, um, and my attachment to his woman and, and it, it's just um, it's hard to apply this you, you, you let go of the attachment or you, you know they're gone I mean there's no yeah. choice here um, but uh, still there is such suffering yeah. and you you know the root of it the impermanence or permanence of his life and impermanence and um, but it, it you know it's hard to find um, to find relief uh, somehow 
to find a freedom. Um, there's the love is still there, emanating, but uh, there's still a lot of suffering. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, we're not trying to get rid of like sadness or temporary suffering. So that the suffering there is like you're supposed to suffer for a certain amount of time. It's like sadness is a precious, so we're not trying to be like, I'm so happy, somebody, got, you know, we're like to be intimately with that. And so being with the suffering without even wanting to get rid of the suffering. So this is complete freedom. And so you're letting suffering move, move organically through your being, right? However it wants to manifest, but we're not attached to sadness or unsadness. So being completely intimately there. And I remember a really high lama passed away, Pema Osalim. He was a beautiful, beautiful lama. I mean, everyone loved him. And a lot of the high lamas came. Anam Tupton came. And my friend was there. Um, and they were there for the morning ceremony. And I said, how was it? And he says, the lamas were all crying. All the lamas were sad. Like These are enlightened beings. They're all sad, crying. Right? And just, and just being completely present with suffering. Completely present and completely there with that. So there's, there's this underlying quality of it's okay to suffer. And this is what allows us to suffer correctly and in a non-attached way, just like we could love correctly in an unattached way. We could suffer correctly in an unattached way. So there's a difference between spiraling down and being with it the preciousness, the beauty of sadness. Oh, gorgeous. We don't want to get rid of that. So, okay, wrapping it up. So maybe just uh, closing our eyes for a moment. And just dedicating the merit thinking of all the, the wisdom, the compassion, the insights, the love, whatever goodness that we accumulated together today, just setting the intention that somehow, some way, this touches all beings, May this be the very cause for our own liberation, our own freedom. The freedom of all beings. Just listen to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.